But we want to turn to our Friday panel in studio with us uh, this morning. Two former members indeed of Sligo uh, County Council. Who knows, maybe future members as well. Uh, Veronica Cawley and Seamus Kilgannon. Veronica, once of the Labour Party, then an independent, and Seamus of Fianna Fáil. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Uh, and Good thanks morning, for joining us. I, I, Veronica, I don't know if you heard Ivana Bacic before 10, the Labour Party leader... Uh, about you know recruiting new members and reviving the Labour Party. Do you? I mean, you you were once a member, I once was, a councillor. Yeah. Um, what are your views on the Labour Party in Ireland oh at the present my God, time? They have a very big uphill battle to do. You know, um, I think they've said it themselves, and I've read it in the in the national papers that the people still waiting for them to apologise for what happened during the the time of the Celtic crash and the FEMPI legislation and uh, the, the cutbacks that were that were imposed on people in order to save the country. But people always felt that the Labour Party kind of let them down and uh, somewhere in their heads they feel that they've done their best but they have to acknowledge that the people ha- were surprised at their what they'd done and yeah. uh, they're still waiting for that apology and for them to understand and recognise what they'd done wasn't in line with what the people elected them for. So that's still there, Nile. Yeah. And uh, revival starts after uh, forgiveness, and I think that that needs that has to happen. So um, across a lot of things that happened within the party yeah. at that time and since. Would you ever consider going back if they offered? You asked me that now. I know, but I your came people are, are interested. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm surprised at people asking me that because. Um, I do feel sorry for the party if that's a thing to say you could say feel sorry that's, that's for, pr- that's for probably the party. worst that's probably the worst thing you could do you could, you probably could, yeah yes, uh, you why would you feel for sorry for them? them sorry why would you feel sorry for I think them? there was bad leadership there was yeah. bad decisions made by the advisors I would blame the advisors now more than anything else and for the leadership listening to them but um, do you know it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, th- that's that's what happened. I don't know. Would I go back into it? <laughs> I have to think long and hard about that one because it wouldn't really be something that I'd be thinking about at all. Right, OK. Seamus, your own party, Fianna Fáil, the, 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 we were telling, reminding uh, Ivana Bacic that Labour is on 4%, up one indeed, but there's been a drop in the latest political poll and I know you all take these with, with a pinch of salt or huge pinches of salt. Uh, a drop of 3% support um, I think it's 22% Fianna Fáil are on but there is a suggestion from a lot of letter writers in the papers today that this is all down to the announcement that Bertie Ahern had rejoined the party do you see any correlation at all? Well I mean Bert, Bertie chose himself to leave the party and uh, he, he'd been out for a, for quite, a, quite some time um, a, lot, a lot of discussion went on regarding they have 25 years celebration of whatever of the good of the Good Friday Agreement and the amount the effort he put into that. Would he be back in Fianna Fáil for it? And he made an application. And you know, as, as a member of the party, I de- I definitely thought it was the right thing to do. If somebody applies that had his his background and he he was successful in an awful lot of areas. <laughs> There's not many around that won three general elections in a row. Mm. So. He is back. He certainly was somebody that could we could all learn an outlet about campaigning. So shall we just wish him well? And I, I don't agree. Obviously, there's always 60, 70% of the pe- people out there that are not Fianna Fáil supporters anyway. So obviously, they're the people that are writing the letters saying, 
it's a bad idea. So let's see what the future holds for Fianna Fáil yeah. and for Bertie you, you, you don't think it's a bad idea. You think it's a it's a plus for the party to have him. Well, to be honest, from my seat, he made the application. A lot of the present leader was being blamed <coughs> for keeping him out. And I don't know how well, he, he all, called o- for his expulsion, o- didn't he? Over uh, the years, yeah, I did after the Man Tribunal. Yeah. However, um, he has been working both with the Irish government and the British government in the whole area of Brexit and the negotiations that are going on. So I mean, if he was, he has a lot of knowledge, he has a lot of skills in that area. And sure, let's see what what I don't have any ob- objection to him being back in the party anyway. Uh, are you a fan, uh, Veronica? Would you no. like? Not at all. Not out there. No, I'm not. I am not a, a fan. Well, I mean, as regards what Veronica said about Ivana Bacci, she has taken the, the role as leader of the party. She was elected to do it. She, all we could do was to wish her every success, but I would certainly have great difficulties. She mentioned about the, her trade union background and the Labour Party were all steeped in the trade union they were far from being steeped in the trade union movement when the water charges were coming in. They were far from being steeped in the, in the looking after the working class people when Minister Nunu was Minister of Finance. When they were in government and the Irish League of Credit Unions were knocking on their door to try to get a proper deal and that credit union money could be used for social housing. And that's going back a long time. If they had had the good sense at that time to use some of that money, we may not have the housing crisis we have now. Right. Well, right. I'm not going into a political battle with you, Seamus, uh, but I said that the Labour Party had to look for forgiveness for what they'd done during them times. And then you're alluding to some of it there. But as far as Bertie Hearn is concerned, I would not, absolutely not be a supporter of his. With all the stuff that happened, um, I know, even to look at him, really repulses me, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and thinking of all the things he'd done. You're right, he did do some good things, but he'd done other things too that impacted on the lives of everybody in this country. And you're on about building. Sure, he was colluding with the bloody builders, wasn't he? Down in this Galway tent that had to be pulled down. And, you know, I mean, Seamus, that's that's a very sensitive issue around Bertie O'Hearn for the vast population of this country. And I don't think no matter what he's involved with, with Brexit or the Good Friday Agreement, can ever bridge that gap for the people. And and I, I know that, I'm sorry, I feel very strongly about this and there's a lot of other people who feel the exact same. So I think that the 3% drop in the support for the Folly would, could, I could say, be uh, directly imp, uh, reflected of him coming back into the party. I'm actually astounded that he decided that he wanted to go back in. But there's always an agenda for everything and that'll become clear in, in the fullness of time. Well, what, what do you think the agenda is? Uh, president. Yeah. Well, he hasn't ruled it out, but he hasn't, he he hasn't, hasn't. said he will. Would you like and to see him run course, for President Seamus? I look at I wouldn't. <coughs> we're a long way away from that, and I certainly let's see who's who's out there. But I mean, Veronica is very critical of, and I, and I could give you a lot of reasons why <coughs> Bertie Ahern did a lot of good for this country. No? But uh, we're not going into it no. today. But then you see, there's also the the. Um, 
the position that that Fianna Fáil are in and um, the question mark about whether would they go into into, into a government with Sinn Féin there's always those question marks so uh, I mean maybe a while away from an election but people are always looking at the next, ele- next election and there's, there's all those questions yet we're in, we're in a very um, flux situation anyway in the country like, mm. the, like the, the world has changed and changed, changed completely in the last 12 months like we have the, the anniversary today of the year a year of a war starting yeah. well, well, let, in let, Ukraine. Let, let's turn to that. It is a significant day and indeed um, th- there are a number of events taking place right across the region today um, involving Ukrainian refugees themselves uh, to mark uh, one year since the invasion. Uh, and I mean, I remember, as you do, I'm sure, hearing the reports that morning of, of the invasion and, and scarcely believing what was happening. Seamus, what are your reflections one year on with the war situation, well, the refugee I mean, situation. I, I, I know it was great difficulty understanding what was going on in the world when you look at we were, we were, you know, a couple of years into COVID, along came the war in Ukraine. You begin to wonder what exactly is happening in the world. The whole thing has been turned upside down. But I mean, when Putin and Russia went into Ukraine, they thought it'd be just three or four weeks that they'd wipe it out and it, it they'd have taken over. But it, they got some shock and I mean you have to admire the countries that have stood up alongside Ukraine and taken taken them on and nobody can put their hand on their heart now and say with any certainty what is going to be the outcome but certainly Russia got more than they bargained for in this one and I think that rather than talking about war from here on in what I think needs to be done and people like yourself and radio stations and people in part start talking about peace talks rather than war and continuing the war. Yeah. Because it's going to come down to negotiations to end it rather than who will be the winner. Yeah. Veronica, a year on, how do you feel about the situation and the situation facing our refugees? Uh, thousands of them living here. Uh, it's a, it's a yes. very, very difficult day for them. It's a very, More very so difficult time And I'd just like to mention that there's going to be a mass this evening in the cathedral. Now, we're not sure of the exact time now. It's kind of a year on. And yeah. for I, think the, it's, I think it's four o'clock. Four o'clock to yeah. commemorate all the people that have passed uh, as part of the war effort. Um, I think... It's, some, it's in a situation that we in Ireland have never seen ourselves in before. We were always about emigration, not immigration. Like yeah. our, our people were always leaving and we were never used of large scale uh, numbers of people coming into the country. We did have people, fair enough, we had Syrians, we had people from all different nationalities coming to Ireland and looking for a better future and looking for asylum and looking for, um, you know, for, for to get, get citizenship here and get protection here. Yeah. But I think the large scale has, has overwhelmed us. But we have to remember... This is a war. People are losing their lives. They have come to us and asked us to take them in and to shelter them. Um, it's kind of shown, it's highlighted that we had an issue beforehand with the lack of housing. And yep. now we, we're at, 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 at max capacity. But yet we are told that while 60,000 came in last year, we can expect to take in another 70,000 this year. I don't know what's going to happen. I really, really don't know how that's going to be handled. I haven't got a crystal ball, but I tell you, the challenges ahead are 
challenging for us all and we're not used to this and we don't know how to handle it. And to be quite honest with you now, what's, what's a big problem here is the lack of communication, yep. the lack of information and the lack of support that they're getting and the pressure on our services. And I okay. know that there's huge pressure gone onto the services that we have because there's no extra supports being put out into the communities to okay. support us All right. and support them. This person says, what are the three of you on about this morning? For the past 50 years, we had Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Labour in government in the northwest, and the hospital in Sligo on its knees, no cancer services, or sick people being bused to Galway. What a joke. Big changes are needed. Um, someone else, um, can you ask the panel, will Bertie Hearn have a bank account this time if he <laughs> comes back? Uh, it, will Michael D. Higgins ever be taken back into the Labour Party, wonders uh, something uh, somebody else. Uh, Niall, Bertie has nothing to do with the polls. We now have a Fine Gael Taoiseach, so it's a bounce for that uh, party. Um, I don't know about that. Um, Niall, Bertie Hearn re-entering politics encapsulates all that's wrong about our political systems and the culture that surrounds politics. Corrupt practices are normalised. It's very, very sad uh, what's going on. Um, it's important to learn from the past, says Michael. We must live in the present while we protect and improve our public services. But the future is, is not written. If Anna Batchik sounds like a woman who has a vision of our shared future, it was refreshing to hear her energy and enthusiasm and her eloquence on your show this morning. Well, Niall, all I say about the bank account, I would hope that if he's wanting to open a financial account, he might join the, the credit union. I knew you'd get the, the, the plug-in somewhere. OK, well, well, speaking about financial matters, no, we'll come back to the cost of living in a moment. I want to ask you about, I'm sure in your time as councillors, uh, you were uh, raised the issue of closure of rural Garda stations, uh, Garda on the beach, um, crime and so forth. It, it it does seem that these burglaries around the northwest are, are getting out of hand and they seem to be the work of travelling gangs, so we're, we're told, because they're all concentrated <coughs> in one one particular area in some cases. Seamus, are things yeah, well, not getting uh, better? Yeah. I do remember during my time on the council, and I often, I often regretted not doing it. I had thought about it often enough. Uh, in, in rural Ireland, I mean, I grew up in rural Ireland, actually. Um, and I, there are quite a lot of people, particularly elderly people, living in rural Ireland. Now, I do think that there's massive advances in technology now. And a lot of this stuff, cameras and spotlighting and all that type of thing could be. But I do think that the people that are in those houses probably are scared of the costs of doing it. But I think the state have a duty of care to those people that if you have proper security cameras and proper lighting around houses and alarm systems and when these guys come around that all, all go off together it would certainly scare a lot of people off. The other way I mentioned, some of them might be pensioners and maybe need a a substantial amount of money to install this equipment. But if um, there could be an arrangement made that there would be a small deduction from their pension on a weekly basis until such time as it's paid off. But I think that all of us working together could help to reduce that crime. And I was listening to Christy Galligan this morning talking about... Yeah, he was very passionate He about, was very, very, yeah. very passionate. And very... He was talking about the 14,000 members of Angarda Shiokana. And... But he says, where are they? That may be that more patrols need to be out, particularly in, 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 in rural Ireland, wherever they can be done. And if it does need more Gardaí to police the areas, then it, it, it's probably... 
a very good investment for the state because you'll frighten the life out of people altogether and they'll desert rural Ireland rather than trying to build it up and keep it the way it is. Uh, Veronica, um, is it, have things improved, do you think, from your time at the council? I mean, it seems that people, we don't want to be scaring people in any shape or form this morning, but the amount of crime out there at the yeah. moment is yeah. well, you see, is quite alarming, to say the very is. least. And um Look, look, when we were in the council, this is a long, long time being discussed, Nile, as, as people's personal security in their homes. And we always questioned on the council, Seamus and I, that uh, asking about the um, uh, allocation or what you call allotment of, of Garda to the different um, Garda barracks around the country, like between Ballymoat and Tubbock Curry, it kind of alternates. That's a huge tract of land that is, yeah. isn't really, you know, hasn't got its proper uh, allocation of Garda um, there's Garda then as well kind of that are caught up in jobs say that uh, takes them away from being out on the beat takes them away from doing the supports that are needed and maybe we there was a plan there that civil servants would be employed to take up that work yeah. like say in the Garda barracks and other forensic works that, that are need to be carried out but you're talking then about the gangs. The gangs are getting more courageous as as time goes on. And I'm not really trying to scare people, but I think that there's... When you have drugs and there's desperation there for money, people will do desperate things. I think that we as a community, uh, community alert schemes are very good. I think we need to be, you know, being, being nosy sometimes, we need it. Uh, you need to be going in and checking on your on your neighbours. Um, in In a town... In anywhere is just make sure that everything is okay or for a person to know that they can I get the number of somebody that they can ring at any time that will come to the rescue or for we're not we're talking about for anything that they need not just for say yep. assaults and attacks um, as far as I know uh, Seamus there is there's a panic button that anybody over a certain age can get and I would encourage anybody out there that's thinking of getting one please get it and wear it which is most important. And there's things we can do for ourselves in that line of thing. But there's a bigger issue going on here is that people are roaming satellite. They can see where the houses are. They use it. Let's face it, they use that to, to source places. And their courage is, is ever growing. And uh, for even daytime robberies, for uh, more any time. Yeah. So people have to be on alert. And we have to be cautious and yeah. still at the same time, the community, I think, steps up an awful lot and people do great work in looking after each other. And that needs to continue. Okay. It started really during the COVID times where people keep that going. Uh, don't, this, it, don't drop it. This person says, you need to get rid of Google Maps. This is causing a lot go. of the problem. Uh, all you have to do is look at Google Maps, look at people's property and you get information then. Yeah which leads to, to theft and so forth. Um, you know, I, 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 think, I, think I'm, I, I think it's 36 ministers who are going abroad for St. Patrick's Day, but both junior and senior ministers, uh, the Attorney General is going as well. Maybe four, five, six years ago, there would be uproar in this country about that, and our show would go on for nearly a week about mm. trips abroad. Not so much anymore. Uh, not many people have been on to us in relation to the exodus of politicians for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, is it value for money, Seamus, or not? Or is it, is it, well, is it a, no, a nothing honest, story, do you think? Uh, Veronica, of course, would have represented Sligo both as mayor and Cahir, like a Sligo County Council. I had the honour to do it as well. Um, to, I, I honestly do believe a lot of people will be saying, look, it shows the value of people going abroad. 
mean, we talk about budgets and we talk about the economy. But it, it, it was incredible even after COVID and the Ukrainian war and the last budget, the country had $5 billion to, to put out there. To, to That money didn't fall out of the sky. That yeah. money came because of our success with foreign direct investment. So it's all linked, do you think? And, and by sending our people abroad, I know it's expensive, but even... Eamon Ryan is travelling by plane abroad. He's not going, hmm. not going on his bicycle. So obviously they are convinced that it works. And um, I think long if it if it's working, yeah, I would continue to support the the idea because what we do yeah, need. But, but how, how, do, how, do, how, do, how do we know? It, how, how do we know it's working? That's what people usually ask. Is how 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 can we be certain that Eamon Ryan's trip to is it Singapore? I think he's going to. Uh, how can we be certain that that results in even one extra job? Well, certainly in, where the Americans are concerned, <laughs> we certainly have a lot of them foreign direct investment by the Americans and some other countries as well. <clears throat> so for that reason, I do think that if we do send our ministers abroad, and to be honest, the other thing that people won't agree with me here, that if they do get a few days away, they work extremely hard and it is a seven-day-a-week job. Yeah, well, Leo Varadkar said that he was on our show uh, two weeks ago, and he said he said that he was heading off, obviously, to the White House, Washington, and he kind of very sternly said, you know, it's a working breakfast and a working lunch, and it's, it's and he's sheer, right there. We, both Veronica and myself would have seen that in action yeah. in our time representing Sligo abroad. So it's not just a jolly then. No, it's not. At all. You're not lying in the sun. Because everything is organised by the mm. by the civil servants, and it's just going from one venue, yeah. one meeting to another. So, how, how do you feel about it, Veronica? Um, it has to be experienced to be believed, and what Seamus has said is absolutely true. Like you think in America, as the St. Patrick's Day goes on for a week in uh, Washington and in New York. Uh, where there is connectivity. You have to remember the diaspora of Ireland, I think it's something like 40 million, but they, a lot of people, fair play to them, have got into very powerful positions, but they have to work those positions. And when you go there, they have a week where there's con- connectivity, where different organisations, different yeah. uh, are brought in, uh, like we were saying, the big multinationals that have come here. But that also includes the multinationals who were thinking of coming here, who were looking at Ireland as a base and what it has to offer. And that's hard selling to try and get some of, some of these uh, organisations to come to Ireland that will provide jobs here. And and the minute you go, the minute you get there, they say, this is your agenda. And they keep you working the whole time, meet yeah. and greet, meet and greet, meet and greet. And, and you are working the whole and time. You don't, you don't go by yourself. There's a whole entourage of people that go as well that are forging and reigniting and keeping keeping the communication lines open. Yeah. Um, there is, um, I remember going over to London to the Sligo Irish who were doing their best to try and what, do what they could for Ireland through their channels. And we have mm. to respect them. And a lot of people that are, that are living overseas, uh, Seamus would know this, they feel that they had to leave. They feel abandoned. And they are delighted when people come over to visit them for St. Patrick's Day. There's, there's a right. lot, a huge... You, it's, 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 it's unbelievable to see it happening. Uh, we're told that panic button alarms can be obtained from Pubble through the Northside Community Centre in Fort Hill. Thank you, that's great um, to know. Right, OK. Um, Seamus, you're a, a, a GA fan, I think. Uh, have you been involved in coaching down the years as well, or no? No, no I was involved in, in... Did you talk out for Tupper Curry in your day? <laughs> volunteer in, uh, in, in, with the GA for, for many years. I'm yeah. still involved, actually. 
So, uh, well, go ahead. One of the most uh, controversial topics of the week, of course, was this uh, decision by the Ladies Gaelic Football Association to um, introduce a policy that would allow transgender women or girls uh, play the sport. Um, again, controversial, sensitive topic. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is it, is it a good policy or not? Well, or do you have concerns? All I will say is that it's wonderful to see the effort that has been made by the GA with, with ladies football. And somebody said to me probably 10 years ago, you're looking at an All-Ireland final being held in, in Crow Park with be up to 50,000 people, yeah. ladies Gaelic football and 50,000 people. Uh, you, people need would, would want to go up to St. I, I can only talk about St. Mary's because I live in the town and I see what's happening up there when they're training. It was all boys at one stage. Equally now it's as many girls as there is boys and they have teams. They have done a wonderful job, the GA and ladies football. And if there are changes to be made that will help help the game, shall we? we have to wish them luck if the, if they feel that these changes have to be done. But I mean, it's, it, the amount of people that are now watching television and watching the game, ladies football, in fact, some people would say it, it's nearly more enjoyable because it's a faster game. Yeah, and probably less cynical as well, maybe. I don't know. Well... <laughs> Uh, I mean that in the in the in the in the best sense, less yellow cards and red cards. I think, from what I can see. Um, yeah. But so it's it's an issue which has to be dealt with. You mean you, you think? But well, I think they're uh, dealing with it professionally. Yeah, and I mean they're they're not they're not just. And let's see. Let's hope that they, they get the right formula and that it will work for them. Yeah. 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 Veronica. Well. I think it's great to see sport in general and people engaging with it because we need it badly. Um, <clears throat> women's uh, football is brilliant, and um, the decision to have trans to allow it's an amazing to have to allow transgender that doesn't happen automatically. So they had to pass a rule on it, but there you go, we have that in place now, and I think the the competition and the competitiveness will be no less. See. Uh, uh, going forward and there'll be no distinction I'm hoping between people and uh, let the games begin and let yeah. the crack go on with it. Yeah, okay. I mean, again, it's coming in this morning as it is during the week. It's it's the safety issue involved. Is, is that a con- you think that's a relevant concern? Well, I think that that would be watched. I think that, mm. that fair enough if if it's a safety. But people would have probably thinking that transgender people would be stronger, maybe. Yeah. But um, let's see what happens. I'm sure that it'll be well watched. You know, let's let's be. And I tell you something. There's no there's no um, delicate flowers on any either any team. Right, okay, uh, let's go back to the financial issue of the cost of living uh, package, mm-hmm. um, which was well heralded and well commented on in advance. Um, you, I suppose with your involvement with the credit union, uh, Seamus, you'll, you will know how families are struggling or, or not or where they are at the moment. How bad are things out there and are the government doing enough or have they done enough, do you think, with this package? Well, certainly when COVID was beginning to win, things were... Just being controlled better, the economy was picking up, and then along comes this uh, massive increase in the cost of living. Now, in, in budget twenty twenty three did help a lot, but I mean some of the enormous increases for for some items has put people under an enormous pressure. Now, I did mention earlier when we were talking about budgets and uh, the the amount of help that the government were able to give in the last budget without having to borrow the money, which was very welcome. Um, and now they come along with the, another on Tuesday of this week. It's more to do with parents and pensioners, you know. 
that the monies are being directed to help the people that are struggling most. And I think that has to be be welcome. You mm. just it's not going to be possible to solve everything and removing the the sub- subsidy that was there on petrol and diesel. It's nice to see that it's been phased out rather than one big swoop. Yeah, but the criticism, as you know, is that these are short-term measures, and there's nothing there to help those most affected in the longer term. Would that be a valid criticism or concern of yours? Well, we would hope that inflation would be taken under control, and that some of the some of the issues were dealt with may be possible. There has been some pay increases that. May, may be helping people but it, it, it's just we're going through a very very difficult time and uh, to be fair I thought that they handled it pretty well in both last October's budget and the announcement this week this week's one was more targeted at the people that are hardest hit there are people that w- were looking for an extra another 200 euro subsidy on the elect- gas and electricity that seems to have been deferred for the moment. The one that's to be paid in March will be paid, but anything else. And the hospitality industry were able to hold on to their 9% for up until September, October of this year. And, I mean, the, the restaurateurs, and we saw programmes there recently, that they're under serious pressure to keep the doors open. So maybe by at least not increasing that to 13.5%, will help the restaurants to stay open and I mean if they do shut you're lo- talking about a lot of people losing their jobs uh, Veronica what did you make of the uh, the government announcement during the week is is it yeah. sufficient and adequate to address the well, needs of people who are well, to be most in need you, of it it's never going to be enough you know to be honest with you the, the cost of, of everything has gone up um, the new buzzword now is transition uh, that we, we all have to change everything that we're doing. But I think people are getting very worried. I really do feel that, that there's enough... i never seen people so worried in all my life. I think this is the the fear of so much change happening. Uh, it's like, it's like a, what's it a tsunami of change is coming on top, onto us now altogether. Um, people on social welfare payments are getting... Uh, they're getting a contribution. The people that are working, that are on low wages which there are a lot of them. We're talking about the hospitality area. That is notorious for having low wages. But there are yeah. people coming into working and they're on a low income and they are struggling. And they very much welcome that 200 euros that they got from the government but uh, for the electricity and the multiples of it. But at the same time, what are we going to do now? You see, people over the Christmas time, they had a level of comfort knowing that that 200 euro was there. Yeah. But now that's been that's gone. Like the price of coal has gone up. The price of everything has gone up. So you I mean if you turn off the electricity and you decide you're going to go back to uh, to coal, you know that's expensive. People have been using this air to water, which turns out to be hugely expensive to run, and they've invested thousands into it, and now they're left with this huge bill that they thought they were going to get rid of. But um, yeah, there's an awful lot of challenges out there for for people, Nile, and and I'm and, and saying to people like, hold on, you you know. Like where hopefully the weather is going to get better, there won't be as much pressure. And people want to hold on to their standard of living that they now have. They don't want to make huge sacrifices and they're wondering why should we? But this now has been forced on us. Like we hear what's happened in England. They haven't got tomatoes, they haven't got cucumbers. You go down to the shops and um, 
every day and look for fresh vegetables. There's a there's a limited amount. So yeah. I mean that's scary even to see that empty shelves. We also see with the package, which is great for people, but the wage increases has been consumed that yeah. we got. It's it's even in, in deficit now. So there's one thing I have to say about it is nobody knows whose shoes are hurting. We do not know who is actually in financial difficulties. You would have some people you think are on a big wage, but they have made huge commitments, big repayments, and the day-to-day living costs is is actually impacting them as much as anybody else. So I think it's helping everybody. And we're on about hospitality now there. I know that they are finding it very, very difficult to actually recruit staff. And that's, yeah, that's a it's factor there. It's a complaint there. we get uh, yeah, all the time and here. A lot of places aren't open uh, seven days a because week. Of They've that restricted their, their opening hours yeah. because the staff they have have to have a break. So that means instead of getting, say, a substitute or a different team to come in, they have to close their doors. Yeah. And it's common. And we, as we go into the summertime, when it's our uh, biggest tourist time, when our visitors from either national or international that are coming in, there's a challenge there. Like, I mean, the reduction in the amount of capacity that we have in our hotels and in accommodation. Yeah. You know, there's a, I haven't got the answers, but yeah. what I'm doing is highlighting some of the issues that I'm aware of. Okay. Now. One, of, one yeah. of the areas that I think that, uh, that families are under serious pressure, and that is the whole area of the mortgage mortgage costs. Yeah. I think we, Ireland better get to the stage where we get this, if we get our economy ticking over properly. There are countries around the world where if, if you're buying a house and you're in your 20s or 30s and you you need a mortgage, that you can negotiate a mortgage that's fixed for life, for the lifetime of that yeah. mortgage. I think we need to be moving towards that. And if a couple sit down and they're buying their house and they know the repayments, regardless of what will happen into the future with cost of living increases. But I mean, people are now, some people are paying double what they were mm. paying for their mortgage yeah, before well, this started. Sure. Well, yeah, go, no, go no, ahead. No, the other last thing I want to say, about, I think people should have been watching it a bit more carefully when it was steamrolling down that mortgages would start to increase. Some people, some of these economists are telling me they'd never, in, a couple of years ago, they said there remained to be no, no inflation in Europe. But we saw what happened when the, yeah. when the war okay. started. All right, okay. Mm-hmm. I, now I think that some effort needs to be made there that if you negotiate your mortgage, you know exactly what it's going to cost the first day and the last day. Uh, just on mortgages, a listener wants to know are the credit union ever going to be allowed uh, give out mortgages? Well, funny you should ask that question. There are credit unions at the moment in the country doing mortgages, and more and more of them will be doing them into the future. Uh, inflation is not under control, says this person. I phoned my local quarry this morning. Concrete is fix, 50 euro per metre dearer than this time last year. And they told me it's a government, this is a government concrete levy of 5% rise coming on top of that price from the 1st of April. Uh, someone else says, I agree with your speakers this morning that people are worried about inflation. Yet 2023 is going to be the busiest year ever for people travelling abroad on holidays. And Jean says, I could listen to Veronica all day long. She tells it like it is. Well, there you go. Well, speaking of telling it like it is, and I have to ask you both this question as former uh, representatives, local councillors, is it something you'd like to return to? We'll start with you first, Seamus. You've been in and out of the council now a number of times. Well, obviously, when you ask the question that way, 
would you like to go back to it? Certainly, as someone of my age, wouldn't certainly go into it for the first time at the age I'm at now. However, there's always the fact that you were there and you figured you're making a contribution and doing the best that you could. That one half of me says I'd love to be back, and the other half is saying to me, leave it to someone else to do. We are in a difficult which, situation. Which, which half is, is allowed us at the moment? We are we are in a much different position as a, in a political party. Political parties start to organise. Um, maybe a year out from the local elections and I think Fianna Fáil will be organising conventions uh, probably in the next couple of months so I don't have that much time to make up my mind I might have convinced a lot of people that I should be doing it but let's see what happens yeah. Right, okay. That's uh, kicking for touch if ever I heard it uh, but well, we have to put the question Veronica, what about yourself former councillor uh, independent councillor uh, yeah, when, yeah. when last I involved? Uh, but to be honest with you, the way I look at it is the people of Sligo were very good to me. They elected me. They had confidence in me three times. They elected me into the borough council, into the county council, and I served them very well and worked very hard at it. But to be quite honest with you, I have to look after myself. As you know, I was sick, so I wouldn't put myself into that position again. And I, but I wish it is a hard job. It definitely is a hard job. It takes up a very huge commitment of time. And at the moment, I don't feel that I would have that uh, amount of time to give to it. Um, and that wouldn't be fair on the people that would be uh, think of, of voting for me. So I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, well, just uh, just on that, and it's interesting you should say, Seamus, that if you were a younger man. Uh, you, you might think differently. Are younger people inclined to be interested in politics and run for election, do you think? or is, well, funny, is One of the things yeah, I did learn yeah. during my time as a councillor, and, and Veronica's right, the amount of time you put into it, and I must say that Veronica, even though we were on different sides, I know how hard she worked as a councillor, mm-hmm. and she did put the time into it, and that is the scary part of it. But if you look at politics, um, uh, who, who who's the best to serve in politics? There'd be a lot of people saying if Veronica and myself walked out of here today and said both of us were running for the council the next time to say, well, why would you not get younger people to do it? Mm. But then take someone like myself that's retired and you have time mm, to do hard. the thing. Yeah. And you take another person that's in their 30s or 40s, mm. but they're in a job. And it's much more difficult to be working mm. in a job today because no matter if this it's 39 hour a week, there's very few people who can can get away with just doing the they're expected to give an awful lot more and employers don't want to know about people getting time mm. off to go to committee mm. meetings go to conferences or go to council meetings so it's people say that they have no interest the reality of it is the world is changing and to get yeah. people to do and we have to compliment the people that are there it's a big commitment so county, anywhere around the amount of time they're given and they should be encouraged rather than listen to your own radio and, and the national radio given out about elected representatives yeah. Yeah. they, they, they only realise the amount of time that's given to, to do what they do and what the mm-hmm. return they get for it you agree with that Veronica that yeah, your I experience do. and I mean and the abuse that councillors get then as well and the criticism yeah. I mean, you need to have, grow an extra skin when you, when you go into politics okay. but like for young people going into it I think there are a, a lot of young people starting to get activated. And if there's young people listening here this morning, and I'm not saying what that young number would be, um, it's something that is very rewarding. 
Um, you get a good lot of, of um, as I say, you get, if you're a part of a political group, you can probably bring it on further to a higher level where it would be done. Uh, you could lobby uh, at national level. It is very rewarding, but it definitely takes up an awful lot of your time. Okay. But I think that there would be a good lot of people say, I wonder, should I? Maybe I will. Go for it. You know, like, I mean, as the man said, it, there's always a time people criticise and they say, well, put your name on the paper and run yourself. But I'd say to people, go out there. And if you feel there's change needed, it will be part of that change. Right, OK. Many thanks to both of you for joining us on the Friday panel. Just before you go, calling uh, Shams. Yeah, Shams Kilgannon, Shams. A colleague of ours, both Veronica and myself, John Comiskey, is yep. recovering in hospital from yeah. major operation. And a colleague of North Ocean yeah, as well. Yeah, big time, yeah. Good so friend I think we uh, and colleagues, John. Yeah, colleagues, just send them good wishes and hope they will hear him back on the yeah. airways. Well, hopefully so. He's yeah, a, he's yeah. he's a he's a big loss to us all at the moment. Uh, we do we do enjoy uh, John and his frequent contributions, not least at election time, because he is the king, is he not, oh, yes, of he uh, of election analysis. He, he always knows. Yeah. He always knows whether you guys are going to be elected or eliminated <laughs> yeah, well yeah. before you do well, yourselves. Before we know ourselves. Yeah, before we'll just you know yourselves. Everybody, just to keep safe and to look, keep looking out for each other.